athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show for you today. Report card day here on the program as I continue to give my final grades. We're going to look at the teams from the MEAC. We're going to look at the teams from the SWAC. We're going to look at Tennessee State. Going to look at Hampton. Uh, If we are able to get to it, look at Langston as well today on the program. The Patriots at at it again. The Patriots are at it again cheating once Again, I mean, you can call it what you want. They're trying to, and I know you've, I'm sure you've heard about this story where uh, it, it had come out that a, a filming crew associated uh, more so with the Patriots organization and, uh, and maybe less with the football team itself uh, was doing some kind of, uh, some kind of behind the scenes look with, you know, one of its scouts or whatever the case may be. And, uh, one of the cameras apparently was on um, the Cincinnati Bengals, I guess, for uh, a whole quarter. And I mean, listen, you know, whatever. I mean, we've been down this road before. Um, you go back to Spygate, the original Spygate. You go back to the deflating of the footballs. Um, listen, my thing is, and, and going back to the deflating of the footballs, like um, I, I believed that. Tom Brady had the footballs deflated. My argument was with the National Football League and being able to prove it and putting in your your, your own rules when it and making your own judgments when uh, when the proof wasn't there. And that's just how the National Football League is. But listen, the Patriots cheated. You know, I'm going to stand behind that. I'm going to believe that in this instance as well. Because maybe it was an honest mistake, but at the end of the day, the Patriots have shown us who they are and they have a propensity to cheat. I mean, and get caught. I mean, I think that's the thing about it. I mean, I think everybody wants, you know, an advantage if you want to call uh, in some cases cheating a uh, a competitive advantage, then do that. But uh, I think the uh, the Patriots definitely uh, guilty in this instance um so again a lot to get to today the all america team the box to row all america team is out you can log on to our website at box to row.com box to row.com the top two vote getters um were uh north carolina a&t running back john main martin and north carolina offensive lineman marcus pettiford um and as a matter of fact on monday we're going to release the superlatives, the superlatives. So uh, with respect to the offensive player of the year, the Willie Davis defensive player of the year, the rookie of the year, special teams player of the year, uh, also the coach of the year. And then finally, the impact player of the year uh, as our voters vote uh, on those awards, as well as on the All-America team. So you want to be out on the lookout for that on Monday, the Superlative Awards. But right now on our website at BoxToRow.com is the Box to Row All-America team. Don't forget about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. And uh, this week we've been talking, uh, broke down the All-America team. Not going to do it on today's program, but you can listen on our website at BoxToRow.com. Broke that down. Uh, Also uh, talked a little bit, uh, talked about that SWAC championship game, uh, Southern and Alcorn State. 
a, a really, really good football game. Uh, the score not indicative of how the game was played. Alcorn State ultimately winning it. So now we have a rematch of last year's Celebration Bowl between North Carolina A&T and Alcorn State, which most likely will decide the HBCU National Championship. So very much looking forward to that. If you want to join us on the conversation here on From the Press Box to Press Row, do so. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of our wonderful, wonderful affiliates that carry from the press box to press row all across the country. How about KALU in Oklahoma, who carries the program? What about WURK in Tampa, who carries the program? Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. I want to start uh, with giving my final grades, and I'm going to start with Bethune-Cookman and start things off with the Wildcats. And when, when you look at this Bethune-Cookman team, uh, this, they, I mean, it was a solid season. I mean, you're talking about a 7-4 and four record, 5-3 and three in conference play, uh, the Wildcats were in it all the way towards the end of the season. Um, the, the loss against Delaware State, I thought, was huge, obviously, um, for uh, for Bethune-Cookman. I mean, losing that game was absolutely big uh, for Bethune-Cookman in terms of its title hopes for the SWAC or for the MEAC championship that is still had an opportunity the next week against A&T. But that was going to be an uphill climb for the Wildcats. When you look at the Wildcats, I mean, not as good a, a defensive season as expected um, and, and certainly not as good an offensive season as expected. But you look at Isaac Washington, who I thought uh, probably should have been a first-team all-MEAC guy, wasn't. Uh, average 5.3 yards per carry, five touchdowns. I thought Akevius Williams, you know, to me when I saw him, um, against A&T didn't look as sharp to me as he had really in previous years. But at the end of the day, completed 54% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, six interceptions, also rushed for 571 yards. And that's the dynamic that Akevius Williams brings to the table. And 10 touchdowns also, um, by the way, I thought we would have seen Jimmy Robinson used a little bit more. I realized that last year it was a situation with Jimmy Robinson where he was used more uh, as a running back because the need was there because of all uh, of the injuries that Bethune-Cookman had suffered. But I thought we'd see him utilized a little bit more in the running game. Um, Receiving-wise, I mean, you're talking about 39 catches for that guy. Not a lot as far as I was concerned. I believe he in the game against A&T he only had one. He he I think he may have had two targets, one reception in that football game. He certainly um, still, even though not utilized uh, offensively as much. Um, I think when you look at him from a kick return perspective, I mean I think he was outstanding. First team All Miac in the kick return department. Um, for Bethune Cookman, I think the win against Florida A&M was absolutely huge for the Wildcats. And um, with that, sort of to me, salvaged the season. I was on the fence in terms of the grade C plus B minus. Ultimately, I did give the Wildcats a B minus. Taking a look at Delaware State and um, another tough season for Delaware State. A lot of promise uh, I thought for Delaware State coming into the season um, with, uh, you know, certainly Rod Milstead in his second season. Um, but Delaware State ultimately went two and ten on the season, beset by some injuries. You have the linebacker Brian Cavacante deciding to put his name in the transfer portal. I thought, you know, that was big because when I looked at Delaware State to begin the season, looked at the loss 31 to 13 to then number 22 Delaware. This game generally has been lopsided. And I looked at that and I said, I didn't really know much about Delaware, but I thought, okay, well, it wasn't a lopsided victory for Delaware. Maybe 
Delaware State is going to turn it around this year. Lincoln, uh, uh, Pennsylvania comes in the next week. And uh, while Lincoln is not a good program, at the end of the day, Delaware State scored 58 points against Lincoln, held them to 12. But then it just went downhill from there. But with that, I mean, you look at Delaware State in some close ball games uh, to Mary Mack. North Carolina Central ultimately comes up with the big win against Bethune-Cookman. And I think, to me, that's what ultimately salvaged um, the season a little bit um, for me, for Delaware State, where I ultimately gave the Hornets a D-. minus. Taking a look at Florida A&M, who, I mean, when you look at the Rattlers, uh, a, a really good season. Unfortunately, a couple of things, and I continue to say this, but it is what it is. Um, not eligible for the MEAC championship and not eligible for the uh, Celebration Bowl, a 9-2 and two season for Florida A&M. I mean, what more can you say? I've been talking about Ryan Stanley for so many years um, since I saw him as a redshirt freshman, and he put together his best year perhaps at Florida uh, at Florida A&M completed 60 percent of his passes, 2,566 yards, 23 touchdowns to seven interceptions on the season. Didn't wasn't aided by a great running game. And I think that's what made the season Ryan Stanley had uh, even bigger, had a good receiving core led by Xavier Smith. 77 receptions 100 for 1,159 yards, 11 touchdowns, averaged 15.1 yards per carry. He was one of the box to row All-Americans at the wide receiver position, but a good receiving core um, uh, as a whole for the Rattlers. When you look at the Rattlers from a defensive perspective, um, uh, uh, I, I thought that the Rattlers solid against the run, not so much uh, against the pass. And what ultimately, again, the first two teams, uh, a a game, in my opinion, decided the team's grade and the loss against Bethune-Cookman was was big. It was a game changer for me. So I still gave the Rattlers in the A department, but I gave them an A minus on the season. But I mean, A minus A, what's the difference? I thought, you know, Florida A&M had a really, really good season. It's report card day here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I'm giving my grades to the teams from the MEAC, from the SWAC, to Hampton, and to Tennessee State on today's program as well. Up next, I continue the grades in the MEAC. Going to take a look at Howard. Remember doing this in alphabetical order as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on. the press box to press row and box to row.com your hbcu sports leader santa baby we're back here on from the press box to press row a programming note over the next couple of weeks it's going to be our year-end review show so on next week we'll take a look back at the months of january through may here on the program some of our great interviews and we had a lot here on the program and then the following week are the last week in december or the last week of 2019 we'll take a look back at the months of july through December. Always a great time with our year-end review show here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's continue with the report cards. Taking a look at the Howard Bison. A tough season for Howard. You know, I had Howard coming in as uh, either my second or third best team in the me. I couldn't remember. I had A&T and then it was going to be either Howard or Florida A&M. And what a, I mean, an absolute disaster in Washington, D.C. Ron Prince takes over. You know, I I don't know all of the ins and the outs, all of the details. It seemed to me in, in, in talking with Ron Prince and hearing him on the conference calls each week, it was seemed like more of a my way or the highway type of deal. If you have a talent 
like a Kalen Newton that's in your program. I think you acquiesce to his skill set. Don't make him something he's not. And I don't know. Like, I don't know what I mean. There's a lot of accusations that have, have come out about different things that have happened. I know at the end of the day that there were a lot of names in the transfer portal, most notably Kalen Newton, who two years ago was the rookie of the year in the MEAC, who last year was the offensive player of the year in the MEAC, whose name carries weight with the last name Newton. Now, certainly he's Cam Newton's brother, but he he has played on a level that he has made a name or had, I should say, made a name for himself. So you can separate uh, the name, but I'm just saying from a, you know, from a marketing standpoint, if you will, I mean, the name Newton associated with Howard is uh, is 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 a national deal. You talk about the Howard brand is national and 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 the thing about, you know, I was surprised, to be honest with you, that Ron Prince wasn't let go sooner than he ultimately was uh, just because of the fact that of all that had come out and you know we had seen Howard in the past you remember the book voucher uh, scandal that happened back in 2012 when apparently student athletes were using some of the book voucher money uh, to for other things and the university separated itself from the athletics department by uh, in essence um, canceling athletics if you will. So I'm surprised Ron Prince lasted ultimately as uh, as long as he did. Um, you know, some bright spots. You look at Quentin Williams as the quarterback. I mean, not bad for a, a rookie. He, 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 you know, this is a guy I think that's going to be good if he stays around the program because, the, the, you know, where is Howard's program right now? You have to ask that question. I think if if, you know, he's the guy, I think he has a skill set. He's a he's a solid passer. He can move. You know, he's got good legs. So you have to respect that. Uh, Diedrich Parson, I, I thought, had a decent season. I mean, if you look at the numbers and the, you know, average per carry, not great, but still 847 yards rushing, five touchdowns. You know, Kyle Anthony had 70 receptions. But again, this was a tough season for the Bison all the way around. I gave Howard a D minus. Let's take a look at the Morgan State Bears. Uh, Morgan State on the season finished with uh, with three wins on the season. Uh, did the Bears uh, Tyrone Wheatley in his first season as the head football coach at Morgan State? Uh, the Bears three and nine. I, I, you know, from a talent perspective, you know, I've had a, I saw you know I had a chance to see Morgan play in person, and I look at it from a talent perspective. While I didn't think the quarterback situation uh, was ideal, I thought ultimately uh, DeAndre Harris separated himself, but not only that, became a decent passer. Like, I I didn't think he was necessarily, you know, uh, 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 passing was his forte per se, but I thought he ultimately had a decent season. I thought the running game was solid, particularly behind um, Josh Chase. And I think one of the more underrated receivers um, who uh, in all of uh, not only the MEAC, but perhaps in uh, FCS is Manasseh Bailey, 996 yards, receiving 18.4 yards per reception with 10 touchdowns, just not on a very good team. Overall, you look at Morgan State individually with some players. I mean, you know, uh, Ian McBurrow, 111 tackles. Rico Kennedy, 105 tackles. I thought Rico Kennedy um, and, and both were actually Bochtero All-American honorable mention guys, first team all MEAC guys, you know, good seasons. I mean, I think Rico Kennedy is absolutely and has been absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, for whatever reason, uh, uh, it just didn't happen for the Bears except against North Carolina A&T. And, and all of, you know, I talked about Bethune-Cookman, Delaware State, Florida A&M all had signature wins or losses. Bethune-Cookman, Delaware State with wins, Florida A&M with a loss. And Morgan State had a signature win against A&T. Uh, and I ultimately bumped the grade up a little bit for the Bears. I gave the Bears a D taking a look at Norfolk state on the season. And I thought, you know, to me, this may have been 
the best season for the Spartans. And, I, and I, I'd have to think back maybe, um, you know, with Latrell Scott, I think it was his first season, 2015. I mean, I, I thought that was a decent season. Uh, I, I'd have to really go back and remember. But in more recently, you know, I thought this was one of the better seasons for the Spartans at five and seven, still at the end of the season, having an opportunity at the MEAC championship, three straight wins towards the latter part of the season, ended the season on with a loss uh, to South Carolina State. That was an overtime game. Um, you look at the progression of the quarterback, Jawan Carter, 2,631 yards passing this year, 23 touchdowns to eight interceptions, completing 61% of his passes. I thought he had his best season. I thought last year, I'm not sure what happened because he had a good rookie season, but this year definitely bounced back. A couple of rookie running backs and Kevin Johnson and Raekwon Smith, uh, both of these guys, tremendous seasons and are both good in the running game. I liked the offensive line, uh, most notably Kenneth Kirby, who was a first-team All-Mac and been talking about him since the re, since Norfolk State's recruiting class some years ago. He's now really starting to come into uh, his own when you look at from a defensive perspective. perspective I mean, Nigel Chavis, one of the best linebackers. Um, and, you know, again, uh, uh, I thought a solid season for Norfolk State. Uh, I gave the Spartans a C. North Carolina A&T. Um, still in the running. I mean, I, I'm going to give them a grade. I'm going to give the Aggies a grade right now. Uh, ultimately, that grade will change, uh, maybe for the better if A&T uh, wins its uh, third straight Celebration Bowl. When you look at North Carolina A&T, uh, another, another good season for the Aggies. You look at the running back, uh, John Main Martin had a is having a tremendous, tremendous season, one of the best backs in all of FCS has well over 1,300 yards, leading FCS in yards per carry at 7.8. Also has 21 touchdowns. I thought I think Khalil Carter uh, did a really uh, has done I should say because again A&T still playing has done a solid job uh, when you talk about in the passing game managing the offense doesn't make a lot of mistakes makes some plays also can do it with his legs as well only three interceptions. On the season, you talk about the recruit, the receiving core led by Elijah Bell, who I thought bounced back um, this year after maybe some injuries uh, and and maybe not stellar play uh, last year. But this year he has really bounced back. Uh, Zachary Leslie has been really good. And then, of course, A&T defensively. Like if you look at the all MEAC team, A&T didn't have any first team performance performers on that team. But at the end of the day for A&T, it was a collective, not one standout person, but a collective, which is allowed for A&T to have one of, if not the best offense, certainly in the MEAC and then in all of FCS, particularly when it comes to run and stopping. Remember, North Carolina Central in that football game had negative four yards rushing, I think it was, and then like 20 yards of total offense, something uh, like that. Uh, a game much like some of the other teams mentioned. Uh, a, a signature loss, if you will, for A&T against Morgan State, second year in a row that that has happened uh, at Baltimore. But again, A&T bounced back, must need, needing must wins uh, against Bethune-Cookman and North Carolina Central and got big time wins against both of those programs. Right now, the grade or my grade for North Carolina A&T is a B plus. For North Carolina Central, um, it was the first season, obviously, for Trey Oliver uh, as the head football coach. And uh, if you look at North Carolina Central, again, had an opportunity, maybe not right at the end of the season, but towards the latter part of the season, was still in the race, lost to Norfolk, South Carolina State, uh, and A&T to end the season. As a matter of fact, got blanked by both South Carolina State and North Carolina A&T to, uh, to end the season. Uh, you know, a tough season uh, when you look at it. But, but with that, I mean, I thought Davius Richards showed some signs. The quarterback, he could run the football past it uh, as a freshman, 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions, completing 
52% of his passes went over uh, 2,000 yards uh, for the season. Darius Royster is a phenomenal player. Um, uh, the MEAC's defensive player of the year. By the way, also Ryan Stanley was the offensive player of the year, if I didn't mention that during Florida A&M's um, breakdown. Uh, Darius Royster was really, really good. This was a, you know, a, a first year for Trey Oliver. Tough season for North Carolina Central. I gave the Eagles a D plus. You're tuned in to the report card show here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I'm your host, Donald Ware, giving my grades uh, for the teams from the MEAC and the SWAC. Got one more team to go in the MEAC, South Carolina State. Also going to break down Hampton and Tennessee State on today's program as well. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, I'll preview South Carolina State and then get on to the swag. Doesn't matter what your sport, he talks your language. It's Donald Ware. From the Press Box to Press Row, it's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. It is report card day. I'm giving my grades to the teams from the MEAC, SWAC, to Hampton, and to Tennessee State as well. One more team in the MEAC. Again, we're doing this in alphabetical order. So let's take a look at the South Carolina State Bulldogs sharing the MEAC championship with North Carolina A&T with an 8-3 and three record. I thought this was a tremendous season for South Carolina State. It's the reason that Buddy Pugh came back as the head football coach at South Carolina State. Remember, he was, gonna, he was set to retire at the end of last season, and the Bulldogs made a nice run, winning four of their last five football games. He ultimately, he and the university agreed uh, for him to come back, and he ultimately did and was able to gain another MEAC championship only three losses for south carolina state uh to south florida to florida a&m and to north carolina a&t um you look at the quarterback situation for south carolina state and it looked like it was going to be tyrese nick going in um but ultimately Corey fields emerged as the guy a better passer but both of them worked well in tandem particularly for the first half of the season to the point that at times both of them were on the field at the same time. I thought LeBron Morris um, had a solid season uh, from a running back perspective. And then listen, when you look at, when you think about receivers and you think about receivers, not only in the MEAC, but in all of FCS, DeMontre Burroughs is phenomenal. Averaged 20.4 yards per reception 13 touchdowns on the season, 938 yards uh, receiving. From a defensive standpoint, again, South Carolina State was extremely tough against the run, a little bit susceptible to the pass. Uh, Tyrell Goodwin uh, was a box-to-row All-American, had a very, very good season, uh, the defensive lineman for South Carolina State. Again, I thought South Carolina State, had a tremendous season, again, sharing the conference championship with North Carolina A&T. I gave the Bulldogs a B+. Your thoughts on my grades for the teams from the MEAC? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Let's take a look at the SWAC. And again, we're going to do this in alphabetical order. We're going to begin with Alabama A&M, who uh, had a record of 7-5, and five, finished second in the uh, SWAC's Eastern Division this year. And I thought this was a really, really good season for uh, uh, for Alabama A&M and Connell Maynard in his uh, second season as the head football coach of, uh, of Alabama A&M. If you look at what Aquil Glass uh, was able to do, uh, as the quarterback, had it not been for Felix Harper, I mean, we could have been talking about Aquil Glass um, as the 
uh, SWAC Player of the Year. Still had a, a, a tremendous season. A couple of tough losses for Alabama A&M. Uh, a loss to Southern, uh, a loss to Alcorn State uh, at the uh, at the end of the season. But Alabama A&M was right there in uh, in 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 basically all of its football games. Aquil Glass, the quarterback, had a tremendous season. My personal thought: I think Felix Harper is absolutely outstanding. My personal thought is that uh, from an an all swag perspective, Aquil Glass uh, probably should have been first team. 3,600 yards passing. That doesn't happen every day. You're talking about on the other side of 3,500, meaning close to 4,000 yards. And while Alabama A&M didn't win the conference, had a tremendous season. Nonetheless, 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, Jordan Bentley finally healthy this year. Jordan Bentley uh, over 1,400 yards rushing for Alabama A&M helped to spark that offense. And then when you look at uh, from a uh, a receiving standpoint, um, the Ibrahim kid was absolutely tremendous. Uh, so was Zabrian Moore. Both went over uh, a thousand yards uh, on the season. I thought that uh, that Alabama A&M had a really good season, and I, I graded on the curve for Alabama A&M giving the Bulldogs a B. Alabama State on the season five and six. Uh, in overall four and three in conference play, obviously losing a tough Magic City Classic um, by two points in overtime. Uh, I think it was multiple overtimes, as a matter of fact, to Alabama A&M. But if you look at uh, Alabama State on the season, I mean, I think they had some I think there were some bright spots. Uh, obviously, uh, you look at the quarterback play of Kadaris Davis, who I thought had a solid season. 59% of his passes completed for close to 2,100 yards, uh, 21 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions on the season. A solid running game. When you look at the likes of, you know, Ezra Gray and uh, Duran Bell, it was sort of a, uh, a, 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 not by committee, but those two really were able to get it done. Michael Jefferson, I thought, had a tremendous uh, rookie year for Alabama State. And a tough loss at the end of the season to Prairie View A&M. I mean, if if you're Alabama State, uh, they got down early, tried to come back, couldn't make it happen. That's a game you have to win to get on that other side of 500. And Alabama State uh, couldn't get it done. Ultimately, I gave Alabama State a C-. Arkansas Pine Bluff on the season. Arkansas Pine Bluff finished the season at six and five. And I, you know, this is how I look at Arkansas Pine Bluff. And I was on a show uh, earlier in the week and I was talking about Arkansas Pine Bluff. And for me, uh, you know, I said this going into the season that I thought Arkansas Pine Bluff, I didn't think that Arkansas, I mean, it was hard for me to say, not that I didn't think they could win the West, but it was hard for me to say that Arkansas Pine Bluff could win the West coming off a two win season and trying to challenge Southern and Grambling, but as the season progressed, that's exactly where Arkansas Pine Bluff was. Arkansas Pine Bluff had a four-game homestand that included Southern and Grambling, and Arkansas Pine Bluff went two and two on that homestand, losing to Southern and losing a closer game to Grambling. And that's, I mean, you know, I, I, I but then after that, the loss to Jackson State. Lost to Prairie View A&M uh, and then a win to end the season against Texas Southern. So, you know, you look at that, um, but you look at where the program has come from. And I think, you know, for me, I I've, I know a lot of people didn't really see UAPB coming. I saw them coming. And when I when they were coming and then ultimately they didn't finish, um, I you know, that uh, – for me, I just thought that they would have finished. But, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you look at Taylor Porter, got off to the slow start. The running back ultimately rushed for over 1,000 yards uh, when it was all said and done. Uh, the the quarterback situation, Patrick Shannon, Skyler Perry, both were used. Shannon emerged as the guy, 2,250 yards rushing, 19 touchdowns on the season. And, um, you know, again, I mentioned those games 
and those tough losses uh, for Arkansas Pine Bluff. I think ultimately, though, when you look at the totality of the season, where the program is, I had to grade on a little bit of a curve for the Golden Lions, taking into consideration uh, how the Golden Lions were perceived and my thoughts on them challenging and then ultimately where they ended up. Ultimately, I gave Arkansas Pine Bluff a C plus. The Grambling Tigers finished 6-5 and five on the season. Grambling also finished second in the SWAC's Western Division. Um, I think when you look at Grambling, I, I, you know, Grambling, I mean, let's think about this. Grambling started the season out 0-4. 0-4, then proceeded to win six straight games, including a victory over Alcorn State, including a victory over a tough Alabama A&M team before falling to Southern 30-28 to on a on a block field goal at the end of the uh, the game in New Orleans, and I mean this was a solid season I thought uh, for Grambling. When you look at uh, Jeremy Hickbottom, uh, the the quarterback, maybe started the season off uh, a little bit slow, but ultimately rebounded um, to be a solid. Uh, 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 more than a, a capable uh, quarterback, as a matter of fact. And defensively, um, the numbers didn't say that Grambling had a, a, a great defense. But if you look at some of the individual players, and one of the guys most notably that I'm going to look at is uh, Joe McWilliams, a box-to-row All-American uh, defensive back. I mean, that guy had a tremendous, tremendous season, six uh, uh, interceptions on the season as a matter of fact that was a tough loss in the uh, what amounted to the SWAC's Western Division Championship but I still thought Grambling had a solid season I gave the Tigers a B minus Jackson State on the season finished four and eight but the thing about Jackson State I mean Jackson State up until the last maybe two or three weeks of the season, still in the running for that Eastern Division crown based upon a three-game winning streak by uh, the Tigers. A couple of victories, Mississippi Valley State, Prairie View A&M in double overtime, and a victory over Arkansas Pine Bluff. The thing about, this is the deal with me with respect to Jackson State. I saw Jackson State playing that very first game against Bethune-Cookman. Jackson State didn't look good at all. I, I was like, this is not a very good football team at all. And then it sort of, but then w- was able ultimately to bounce back the next week against, uh, or, or in a couple of weeks, not the next week, but in a couple of weeks against Tennessee State. I'm like, okay, uh, well, because then lost to Kentucky State. So I'm looking at this like, what is going on with with Jackson State? Uh, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with them, but then. Um, at the end of the day, Jackson State hung in there. I think where Jackson State had issues was uh, defensively. I mean, when you're giving up 35 points or in excess of 35 points per game and only scoring 25 points, that's definitely an issue. However, Keontae Hampton, the linebacker in his sophomore year, 121 tackles, 14 for loss, a box to row All-American, was, of course, the SWAC's defensive player of the year. I mean, I, I mean, I got to give Jackson State a little bit of credit for battling, hanging tough, especially towards the latter part of the season. I gave the Tigers a C minus. Next team up is Mississippi Valley State, and uh, boy, another tough season uh, in Atabena, Mississippi. Just another tough season for Mississippi Valley State. Uh, a couple of wins, one over Texas Southern. Uh, The other was over Virginia University of Lynchburg. I mean, the thing about it, I mean, Valley hung tough. I mean, you look at the first couple of games of the season, a six-point loss to Tennessee State, an overtime loss to Lamar, uh, who's who's really a tough team, um, a a tough loss to Jackson State. So, you know, when I look at uh, Valley from that perspective, I mean, they hung in some ball games. It's just... You know, I don't I don't know. Like, you you know, at one time you looked at Valley, you'd go back some 30 years ago with the Satellite Express with uh, with uh, with with Totten and Rice. And, you know, you sort of wonder where that is. I mean, even in more recent history, going back some 10 years ago when uh, when Totten was the head coach, 
you know, 10, 15 years. I mean, they, they had um, su- some success or there was some success there at Mississippi Valley State. The going continues to be tough uh, for Valley. Give them, I gave them a little bit of credit for hanging in some games and winning a couple of games. Ultimately, I gave the Delta Devils a D minus. Next up, Prairie View A and M. Finished the season uh, on a positive note. Um, as a matter of fact, six and five on the better half or the better side of 500. And when you think about it, you know, Prairie View A&M, I thought coming into this season was going to have one of the better teams um, possibly challenge for uh, for the SWAC uh, Western Division crown. When you looked at them coming in, um, beset by a couple of injuries. But I thought, you know, I thought early on, I mean, I, the win against Texas Southern was a good win. Hung in there against Houston, you know, hung in there against Nichols State, hung in there against Alcorn State before ultimately breaking through and defeating Grambling. And then you thought, okay, even with the two losses or the three losses after the win over Grambling, you're like, okay, Prairie View A&M is going to be back on track. And ultimately, uh, it just didn't happen. A loss to Southern um, and then that double overtime loss to Jackson State, I thought, was absolutely huge. I thought that was the backbreaker uh, for Prairie View A&M uh, because, again, I I wasn't sold on Jackson State. And even though, um, you know, you looked at uh, 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 Prairie View A&M and what it had, it, you know, Jackson State won that football game. Ultimately, Jalen Morton went down in that football game. Uh, that was huge. You know, I thought Dewanya Tucker was probably the second best running back. I know he made second team all swack again. I thought he was a first team performer, 15 rushing touchdowns in excess of 1100 yards, average 6.2 yards uh, per carry on the season. But again, as I mentioned, I thought Prairie View A&M rebounded, especially down the stretch after some injuries, a couple of wins to end the season, including the last game against Alabama State on the road. With that, I gave Prairie View A&M a C. Still to come here on from the press box to press row, got to take a look at Southern, got to take a look at Texas Southern, and then I'm going to give my grades for Tennessee State and Hampton. All of that up next. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. It's our last segment here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Going to wrap up the migrates for the teams from the SWAC and also take a look at Hampton and Tennessee State. Uh, so uh, the, the next to last team, and again, we've been doing this in alphabetical order, is the Southern Jaguars, who I thought Southern had a solid Season. I thought the Jaguars definitely had uh, a solid season winning or defending its Western Division Championship and uh, with a record of eight and four overall on the season. A slow start for Southern, but understandably so when you play at McNeese and at Memphis, rebounded with a win over Edward Waters before a tough loss on the road against a very good Florida A&M team. But then three straight wins. Lost to Alcorn State, then four more straight wins um, to end the season, the regular season, before a loss to Alcorn State um, in the SWAC championship game for the second year in a row. I mean, I, you know, when I look, when I think about Southern, um, you know, I look at the Jaguars, and you know, to, for me, it begins with that that offensive attack uh, from a running perspective. Now, when you look at um, you know, when you look at Devin Ben, uh, the running back had a good season for Southern, but you couple that also uh, with the running of Ladarius Skelton, who had a good season as well. I mean, they both combined to rush for over 1600 yards, 21 touchdowns. Now, I've talked with some people for me, Ladarius Skelton, when I look at Ladarius Skelton um, and I look at his numbers and really hadn't had a chance to see him play a couple of times this year. Um, you know, uh, the game against Grambling, 
uh, et cetera, but just a few times. But when I look at his numbers, he's completing over 61% of his passes, 13 touchdowns to nine interceptions. If you look back last year, he completed the season right around 52%. So at least for me, from that vantage point, I thought um, he had a, uh, a, a, a decent season um, or, or better than decent, I thought, uh, and especially from a passing perspective. You know, there's a lot of talk in Jaguar Nation with respect to Dawson Odoms and, you know, his job security. And he's sort of on the hot seat and that type of thing. And, you know, I look at these things and I'm like, okay, the last couple of years, if you look at at, at what Southern has done, Southern has and, and his staff has done a tremendous job. If you look at him this year, at least from a defensive standpoint, didn't have his defensive coordinator. Trey Oliver went uh, to North Carolina Central. But. To be in the SWAC championship game second year in a row to get your team to that point. Um, listen, the last couple of years, Southern has gotten beaten by the better team. Alcorn State has been the better team and has beaten Southern the last couple of years. Sometimes you sometime you just you just can't overcome that, you know, and and you know, I, I don't like to hear these kind of things because I think that Dawson Odoms has done a good job. He's been successful. I mean, if you go back the previous couple of years, he had gotten beat by a better team in Grambling. It's just that simple for me. The exposure is still there. When you look at the fact that they're, that the Jaguars are even playing in the, in the SWAC championship game is a plus. And I think eventually the Jaguars will get over the hump. So, you know, I hear Jaguar Nation talking. Um, remember, when Pete Richardson was the head coach, uh, they weren't happy with Pete Richardson towards the latter part of his tenure. Uh, he he was gone. You brought in uh, Stump Mitchell. I believe it was Stump Mitchell right after that. That didn't work out. And then Dawson Odoms took out after that embarrassing loss back in 2012 on national TV to Mississippi Valley State the next year. Southern wins the SWAC championship the year after that um, is, uh, I believe, in the SWAC championship game. So listen, you know, I think he's done a tremendous job. Um, I think that the Jaguars will ultimately get over the hump. You want to replace your head coach? Who are you going to replace him with? That's the question I'm always going to ask. And I thought Southern had a solid season. I gave Southern a B. Final team from the SWAC. Texas Southern, boy, uh, a, a a tough season for Texas Southern. Thing about Texas Southern, though, as tough as the season was for Texas Southern, Texas Southern put up some numbers offensively. And I think, you know, if you're if you're at least if you're a, a, a Texas Southern fan, that's something you can, you know, sort of look at uh, when you're looking at the future and uh, what the future holds for Texas Southern, uh, you know, a new coach coming in i mean that's just a tough deal but from a passing perspective and in that passing game um you look at what deandre johnson was able to accomplish uh and also uh to some degree devin williams it was a passing game that uh passed for uh in excess of 2,000 yards on the season. And then when you look at Donnie Corley, first team all swack um, as a receiver, I mean, a tremendous season for this kid. 72 receptions, 1,039 yards, 103.9 yards per game. But, I mean, that's about where it stops for Texas Southern. I mean, didn't win a single football game. Got to give the Tigers an F. That's a look at uh, my look at the team's. From the SWAC, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, to share your thoughts. Let's take a look at Tennessee State. Another tough season uh, for the Tigers, 3-9 and nine, uh, on the season, uh, at least into the season on a good note uh, with a victory over Tennessee Tech. And it's one of those deals uh, with Tennessee State. Um, you look at Tennessee State, and again, uh, some injuries beset Tennessee State. I would say more so last year than this year. Um, but, you know, you look at the Rosendahl kid at quarterback threw for over 3,000 yards, 14 touchdowns uh, to uh, 10 interceptions. And then what can you say? Chris uh, Rowland, all everything, punt returner, kick returner, 
104 receptions, 1,437 yards, eight touchdowns, averaged 13.8 yards per carry. He carried the ball sometime or rushed for it, kick returner, punt returner, um, certainly did it all uh, defensively. I mean, Tennessee State uh, was just bad defensively, quite frankly, giving up 455 yards uh, per game. And again, when you're getting outscored by your opponent, that's an issue, 35 points per game to Tennessee State, only scoring 26 points per game. Tough season, um, obviously, for uh, Tennessee State and for the Tigers, I gave them a D. Lastly, Hampton on the season, 5-7, and 1-5 in Big South play. Um, I, I thought, i be honest with you, if I'm honest with you, I thought that this would be a better season for Hampton in terms of being in the Big South. Boy, I tell you what, uh, the loss against Virginia Union, and not even that it was a loss at home, Virginia Union blew out the uh, Pirates. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, if you're outside of HBCU football, you would say that's an embarrassing loss. But I mean, Virginia Union's got, had a had a really good uh, team and a really good season on this year. DeAndre Francois, the transfer quarterback from Florida State. His numbers on the season completed 57% of his passes for in excess of 2,500 yards, 26 touchdowns um, to 14 interceptions. He still has a season remaining. Shy McKenzie, running back, was first team uh, all uh, Big South, 1,200 in excess of 1,200 yards rushing, 5.6 yards per carry. Also rushed for eight, eight touchdowns on the season. And then Jadakiss Bonds, the receiver. 15 receiving touchdowns, one of the leaders, if not the leader, in all of FCS this season. Where Hampton struggled, and like some of the teams I mentioned before, giving up 31.1 points per game, scoring 30.8 points uh, per game, giving up almost 400 yards of total offense. I mean, that's just not going to get it done uh, for Hampton. I thought that the Pirates would have a better season uh, in their first year in the Big South. Ultimately did not. I gave the Pirates a D didn't have a chance to really look at Langston. I thought Langston had a B season missed out on the playoffs, the NAIA playoffs this year, but still a good season for Langston. That wraps it up for my final grades for all of the teams and to look at all of the teams in HBCU football, log onto our website at box and uh, you can get a glimpse of the grades that I've given to all of the teams. My time is about up. I thank you for yours here on From the Press Box to Press Row again. The next couple of weeks going to be year-end review shows. Don't want to miss that. Uh, the HBCU Football Daily Podcast continues on our website at BoxToRow.com. You can also uh, hear it at iHeartMedia.com as well. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. 